Good afternoon and welcome back to the Sunday School Podcast, the pod all about digging deeper into the Bible using social, historical, and scientific context. I'm Sean Parker, and today we're going to talk about all of the health advice found in the Bible. In the age of organics and clean living, we have to look no further than thousands of years ago to get all the health advice we could ever need. Adam and Eve were the OG vegetarians. Moses and the people of Israel were pretty much on the paleo diet, and Leviticus had advice for dealing with COVID-19. start with the book of Leviticus. I'll admit this book is a challenge to get through, but in spite of the repetitive language, there are a lot of good things here. The entire book is about removing impurity from your life so that God can dwell with you. The emphasis is on cleanliness. Cleanliness is next to godliness, after all. Now, most of the commands in Leviticus had the intention of making God's people more holy. Uh, With modern understanding, we see that what God was telling them to do was not just good for them spiritually, but also good for their health. Leviticus 11, 31 through 40 says, These are unclean for you among all the swarming creatures. Whoever touches them when they are dead will be unclean until evening. When any one of them dies and falls on anything, it becomes unclean. Any item of wood, clothing, leather, sackcloth, or any implement used for work. It is to be rinsed with water and will remain unclean until evening. Then it will be clean. If any of them falls into any clay pot, everything in it will become unclean. You are to break it. Any edible food coming into contact with that unclean water will become unclean. And any drinkable liquid in any container will become unclean. Anything one of their carcasses falls on will become unclean. If it is an oven or stove, it is to be smashed. It is unclean and will remain unclean for you. A spring or cistern containing water will remain clean, but someone who touches a carcass in it will become unclean. If one of their carcasses falls on any seed that is to be sown, it is clean. But if water has been put on the seed and one of their carcasses falls on it, it is unclean for you. If one of the animals that you use for food dies, anyone who touches its carcass will be unclean until evening. Anyone who eats some of its carcass is to wash his clothes and will be unclean until evening. Anyone who carries its carcass must wash his clothes and will be unclean until evening. So God's guiding the Israelites to avoid contaminated water. Uh, He's telling them to avoid swarming creatures. I picture mice, rats, cockroaches, a bunch of nasty stuff that we don't want in our food or coming in contact with our water sources. Uh, if an animal dies and falls in your water source, it's unclean. Uh, if if something dead touches the stove that you're using, it's not like they had Lysol to clean anything up. So he's given a lot of really good health advice here. Uh, and it appears that a lot of the advice that God gives in Leviticus uh, is is pretty good because Dr. Fauci got some of his advice from Leviticus, or so it seems. Leviticus 13, 45 through 46 speaks of covering your mouth and also social distancing. It says, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. 
He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So we've got social distancing, quarantining here, making sure that you're telling others not to come around you. You're sick. Uh, The difference is we're quarantining sick people here and not the healthy. So a little change from uh, from Fauci's process. But uh, Leviticus 13 goes on to give instruction on how to deal with mold or infection on clothing and other dressings. Verses 47 through 55 say, As for any fabric that is spoiled with a defiling mold, any woolen or linen clothing, any woven or knitted material of linen or wool, any leather or anything made of leather, if the affected area in the fabric, the leather, the woven or knitted material, or any leather article is greenish or reddish, it is a defiling mold and must be shown to the priest. The priest is to examine the affected area and isolate the article for seven days. On the seventh day, he is to examine it, and if the mold has spread in the fabric, the woven or knitted material, or the leather, whatever its use, it is a persistent defiling mold. The article is unclean. He must burn the linen or any leather article that has been spoiled, because the defiling mold is persistent. The article must be burned. But if, when the priest examines it, the mold has not spread in the fabric, the woven or knitted material, or the leather article, he shall order that the spoiled article be washed. Then he is to isolate it for another seven days. After the article has been washed, the priest is to examine it again, and if the mold has not changed its appearance, even though it has not spread, it is unclean. Burn it, no matter which side of the fabric has been spoiled. If when the priest examines it, the mold has faded after the article has been washed, he is to tear the spoiled part out of the fabric, the leather, or the woven or knitted material. But if it reappears in the fabric, in the woven or knitted material, or in the leather article, it is a spreading mold. Whatever has the mold must be burned. Any fabric, woven or knitted material, or any leather article that has been washed and is rid of the mold must be washed again. Then it will be clean." We're seeing here he's talking about a spreading mold and and how you can tear the piece of fabric away. And if it returns, you know that it's kind of infected the whole area. Uh, But if it doesn't, then you know that you've removed the source. That's pretty advanced knowledge, I would think, for this time. And, And clearly God was giving direction here. Leviticus 15 has similar characteristics to present day disease prevention. Uh, this is a little gross, but it talks about contact with someone who has a bodily discharge. That person would be considered unclean. Touching this person would make you unclean. Touching something the person had touched would make you unclean. Uh, the chapter speaks of quarantining these people. It talks about washing your hands and your clothes after coming in contact with them. And this is basically how contact precautions work in a hospital. Uh, I'm a nurse by profession, so I do have some experience in this area. And if someone comes in who is identified with a certain type of infection, we place them on what's called isolation. And there's different types of isolation based on the source of the infection. If there's a uh, a type of infection, you know, in your lungs, and it's it's a type that is airborne, then you'd be on airborne precautions. We'd wear types of masks and things like that. Uh, But this would be like a contact isolation where the disease is on someone's skin or externally, where if you touch it, it could spread the disease. So you have to take precautions wearing gloves. We wear gowns and, and things like that. So where it's talking about a person with a type of draining skin infection, 
uh, this person would probably be on what we call contact isolation. And we'd follow similar processes to what's outlined here. Uh, you know, we do have gowns and gloves that we would uh, be able to dispose of and things, but that gives us an extra layer of protection. Everything else is pretty much what it outlines here. And Moses wouldn't have known anything about bacteria uh, or anything that causes infections. So a discharge would have been the easiest way to identify someone as being a risk. Uh, that God would instruct the Israelites to take these precautions was clearly divine protection for his people. He wanted them set apart and and cleaner and healthier and holier uh, than the surrounding peoples. So as we continue through the Old Testament, we see in Deuteronomy 23 verses 12 through 14 that God instructs the Israelites on waste disposal. He says, designate a place outside the camp where you can go to relieve yourself As part of your equipment, have something to dig with, and when you relieve yourself, dig a hole and cover up your excrement. For the Lord your God moves about in your camp to protect you and to deliver your enemies to you. Your camp must be holy so that he will not see among you anything indecent and turn away from you. So we've got waste disposal. You know, if you if you dug your latrine right next to where food's being prepared. Uh, It's going to create a lot of disease in the camp. And there's a lot of Israelites in this camp. This is a massive camp, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. And, you know, God's giving them directions on on where to dig, uh, you know, latrines or or where to go uh, to relieve themselves. Now, if we go into Proverbs 18, verse 14 speaks to the power of the mind to heal. It says, a man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. So it, it knows that, uh, or so the Bible is saying that, you know, the mind has a lot of power to heal. Uh, you know, we see pharmaceutical companies test new drugs, and they usually have two separate groups being tested. You have one group that's receiving the actual drug, and the other group's receiving what's called a placebo. A placebo is not intended to have any therapeutic effect. It's like a sugar pill or, or an inert drug that doesn't do anything. Uh, and they test these groups to see what effects it has. And the people that are in the placebo group don't realize that they're not taking the real drug. So they believe that they're going to see the types of therapeutic effects that the people receiving the drug have. And, you know, they usually do receive some sort of benefit uh, as a result of this. But uh, and that's why they measure it to make sure that the drug that has the intended therapeutic effect is having a greater effect than what's known as the placebo effect. So the mind does have an incredible ability to, you know, manifest healing and things like that in the body, not to mention just attitude. Uh, You see uh, people that have stress, you know, they don't sleep as well. Uh, Constant stress can cause weight gain. Uh, Depression can cause people to give up. Uh, You see a lot of times when uh, someone's spouse dies, you know, that person may follow shortly thereafter based on the grief and the loss uh, that 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 creates in them. Um, so the mind does have an incredible effect. Worry affects us. The Bible tells people not to worry 365 times, one for every day of the year. So God recognizes the importance of not stressing, uh, not worrying. And he knows how much happier we are when we trust in him and lean not on our own understanding. So ultimately, God and science are not adversaries. He created a world in which 
Creation originally worked in perfect harmony. There was no death or disease. Man lived in a perfect paradise. Unfortunately, sin entered the world, throwing this creation out of whack. Sickness and disease came with the curse of sin, but God still made provision for his people because he loves us. He wants us all to follow his commands for our own benefit. But even when we don't, he still makes provision for us. When sin originally entered the world, God made provision to ultimately pay the debt that sin created. We owed a debt we could not pay, but Jesus paid the debt he did not owe. And for that, I'm truly grateful. As always, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, don't forget to leave a review in whatever player you use to listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe. New episodes are released every Sunday. God bless.